Welcome back to America's Commercial Real Estate Show. I'm Michael Ball. This segment is brought to you by Red IQ. They turn multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Do check them out at RedIQ.com. Well, today we're talking about design, construction, and development trends. Please welcome my next guest. It's Patrick Fox, and Patrick is CEO of Consensus Strategies, and he's joining us on Skype. Patrick, thanks for being with us again, sir. Good to see you, Michael. Thank you for having me. Always interested to talk to you. And then, and you guys help people with zoning matters and uh, construction development issues and all around the, the country. So my first question to you is, what about volume right now? People, A lot of people are thinking we're toward the end of a, a cycle. It sure seems busy in the southeastern markets where we work. What are you seeing on your end? We're seeing a lot of activity. Uh, uh, you know, I only get called for the tough ones, right? So uh, we're seeing a lot of uh, mixed-use developers calling us, uh, who have only recently become mixed-use developers. Uh, you know, these are people who uh, uh, are used to doing retail, and it's difficult to do that now. So they've turned to mixed-use, and they're finding it's a different game. Uh, that when you add in residential, it's uh, uh, much more difficult dealing with municipal impacts and uh, the, the other things that come along with it to try to get those things approved. They're not used to doing the kind of community outreach you need to do uh, to, uh, to make that happen. So right. we're seeing a lot of that. And the volume of calls, the volume of requests you get, uh, the volume you see in the municipalities for rezoning, what's the trend on the volume there? Are you seeing it uh, slide down a little or is it still just really busy? No, it's, it's still busy. Um, it's... Uh, uh, e even when you see, even if you sense a downward trend in the market, the trend on opposition of development is upward. Um, <laughs> you know, with, with the internet today, everyone has a voice. Everyone feels they can fight city hall and uh, um, and, and fight progress, and uh, they are. Yeah, and for the folks who are out there that maybe buying land, own land, or in development, or helping those who do, and you're getting involved in a rezoning matter. Um, what do you do about the internet uh, forces out there, the social media forces? Do you need to kind of plan for that up front uh, to handle it? You do. The earlier you start, the better. And uh, all of these tools that uh, abutters and neighborhood groups and opposition groups are using, you can use as well. And you can usually use them more effectively. Um, the, the key is starting early. Um, if you start to do community outreach and address these issues when there's already bumper stickers on the cars and signs in the streets, it's a much tougher fight than if you start early, uh, reach out, find support, build a coalition, and then announce the project and have those people standing with you when you do that. Um, you can save yourself a lot of problems. The idea that we're going to do this quietly uh, or that uh, the mayor and uh, members of the city council are all telling me they love the project and I'm okay. It doesn't work out when 200 angry neighbors show up at the first hearing. Now you've got a controversial project. Now you've got a bad story in the paper. People that might have been indifferent or somewhat supportive now don't want anything to do with the project. So uh, it's, you, you can't hide in a bunker anymore. You need to be proactive. Yeah. And what should folks think about that are doing their first mixed-use development and they're dealing 
with zoning is the municipalities, the cities, the the zoning officials that that don't really get it yet. And sorry if you're 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 in that field and I'm and I'm saying something that doesn't sound right for you, but it is kind of new to some municipalities, right? Uh, or is it the is it the end users who are leasing from the developers? Is it the developers themselves that just have to understand how it all mixes together and works? Typically, the the municipality gets it in most places. They know they need housing. They, there is a housing shortage in most places. Have addressed that as a need, but um, when a developer comes in and suggests adding 240 new homes or 500 or a thousand new homes, it's a major change in that community and it scares people. How many kids are you gonna put in the schools? How many more fire trucks are we gonna need? How many more police officers? How much more traffic are you putting on the street? And if you don't address those concerns, uh, there's gonna be huge opposition to your project. So in my experience, it is the developers who, uh, who need to understand how to address this, how to get in early, and how to help provide the political cover for those officials who already know they need to do this. Yeah, it, yeah. It's a real struggle in a lot of communities. They're, right. they're, they're begging for help. I've got municipalities that are asking developers to hire us to help them uh, provide political cover so that they can do what they need to do anyway. Yeah, yeah, well that's great. And like you said when, in the beginning here, you get called in when what's a tough one, uh, tough jobs. And I guess uh, the cr cannabis craze, uh, I guess some of that is tough. Very tough. Um, you have uh, um, many companies and an awful lot of money fighting for market share in states like Massachusetts and, and others as it's becoming legal. There's a, a scramble to get in and get a foothold. Um, you have massive neighborhood opposition in communities that voted to support it. You've got communities where you've got 60, 70 percent of the population voted in favor of legalization. But that doesn't mean they want it near their house. They're afraid of, uh, of, of lines, that it's going to bring people in from out of town that are um, uh, near-do-wells, um, that, uh, that they're going to have people sleeping in the streets like it's a Grateful Dead concert everywhere. Um, and uh, it's important to, um, to address those issues ahead of time. Well, in some states, as they start to legalize, the, the first one they do is a, a massive hit. You know, uh, in Massachusetts, when they did the first ones, you had people coming from three states, and, and there were, uh, it was gridlock and, and uh, people waiting hours to get in, and it paralyzed the town. Wow. And as wow. someone pointed out, it's like you have one liquor store in a three-state area. You know, everybody's coming in. Right. But once you open, you know, the city of Boston's gonna have 52 of them. So they become neighborhood stores. Uh, but it's uh, it's a, a heck of an education campaign to get people to understand that when you sit and when you talk about putting one in their community. Yeah. Well, if you put one in my community, I'm going to be afraid that uh, they're going to run out of Cheetos in the market. I will never be able to find Cheetos again. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. so is yeah. the opposition to the stores and to the, the places to grow uh, the, the cannabis? Is it just the stores you're dealing with mainly? No. Um, we have had to deal with cultivation facilities in opposition to those as well. Even when they're put into industrial parks or they're, they're out of the way, um, we've had opposition come up in towns uh, where they just moved to ban all cannabis facilities of any sort. 
and don't even realize they've had for two years a cannabis cultivation facility in their community. Uh, and we had to explain it to them. Do you realize that there's 50 jobs already here, that there's uh, a facility that's been operating for two years that you're closing in your community if you pass this law? And they didn't even know it was there. Well, sometimes are you going to have to take that to court then if the use is legal in the, in the zoning uh, and the state and the city has approved it uh, to make it legal uh, and now they're going to say for zoning reasons you can't have it, you're going to have to kind of fight that battle in a hard way. Yeah, uh, communities can change the zoning to preclude it. Even um, though they legalized it. Even though they legalized it. Yeah. And, and, you know, and also, you know, like an adult bookstore, uh, you know, that, that was fought long ago uh, where you couldn't simply ban them. Uh, you have to, to, to find a way to zone for them. So they're often in, you know, uh, uh, zoned in areas where you wouldn't want to put one. Yeah. Well, you know, this is a commercial real estate show, so there's a lot of people listening that, that own and, and help people that own uh, commercial real estate. And one of the things they always do to, to, to create value is highest and best use for properties, and zoning's a big deal. And one of those things that we're here in, multi, in a lot of areas and markets, in fact, we've heard it around Atlanta, where I'm headquartered as well, is casinos. Are you getting involved there? What do you see there? Casino fights are among the most difficult fights we've been involved in. There is so much money involved. They are so competitive. Um, they are bringing in PR consultants, lawyers, lobbyists, and they're all fighting each other over these sites. Um, typically, when a state legalizes it, they, they uh, allow for a certain number of licenses. And the goal is not just to win that license. It's to make sure that no one else wins a license. Um, so uh, it's uh, highly competitive. Um, it's, that's also a situation where you have people who vote in favor of legalizing gaming, but then are opposed to having one uh, in their community. Uh, we're also seeing it's some of the more depressed communities that really, really need a, an economic development boost are the ones that come together and, uh, and, and support them. So uh, that, that tends to be where they're going. When you, when you look at doing one in uh, Atlanta, Manhattan, um, uh, major municipal uh, uh, areas, they, uh, they become very, very difficult. Yeah, well, I can imagine. It should, seems like it would be a boost uh, to the economy and to jobs uh, in, a, in a market or a city you know, like Atlanta. Well, another thing that we're seeing um, more of is self-storage uh, facilities. Uh, what are some of the trends you see there zoning-wise? Working in a lot of self-storage, what's happening with self-storage is the market has matured. Up to now, the trend was to put them in industrial parks on the outskirts of town, um, to put them in more depressed areas, and uh, they filled those up. Now they want to actually move self-storage to where the people are. And the people who are used to self-storage uh, facilities that are giant concrete prison-like buildings uh, that are colored in uh, those iconic orange or green buildings that uh, um, certainly stand out for marketing purposes, but no one would ever want to live near one. That's what everyone thinks of as self-storage. So when you talk about putting one in a suburban community, there's an outrage. Uh, just uh, uh, pitchforks and torches come out after self-storage. Um, and, you know, I'll use one. I'm not against self-storage as a use. I just don't want it in my community. Put it over there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, there's a trend to make them fit into the community, to use to to. Um, uh, design them in a way that blends in 
or to put retail on the first floor so that it enhances the community. It's a low impact use. There's not a lot of traffic. Uh, doesn't generate uh, a lot of trips. Uh, it uh, generates, uh, tends to generate more uh, tax revenue than office or a lot of other uses. And does it impact so, the schools either? Doesn't impact schools at all. Very few municipal impacts, but they require a, a big municipal education effort. You really have to wow them with the design. You know, we know what you think of as self-storage, but this is a new kind of self-storage that we've designed just to, to fit into this community. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's good. And uh, we're talking with Patrick Fox, he's CEO of Consensus Strategies, and he's done a lot of large uh, zoning projects around the country. And Patrick, we talked before, and I know you've heard some funny things at some of these zoning meetings, and I'd like you to share a couple of those things that you've heard at some of these uh, zoning meetings. Sure. Uh, you know, like uh, uh, people standing up uh, in opposition to wind farms. Uh, who's, uh, we had a, a, a woman stand up and say, if you're going to build 100 wind turbines pointing in one direction, you're going to have to build 100 somewhere else on the planet pointing in the other direction, or you're going to mess up the rotation of the earth. <laughs> or the, the people who said, how many of these solar arrays do you think you can build before you've sucked all the energy out of the sun? Um, you know, you can't build a steakhouse restaurant near my neighborhood because you're going to drive the dogs crazy. Right. You know, you, but we work with developers and how do you handle these? They're going to come up. Yeah. Um, and uh, you can't be dismissive. You can't roll your eyes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you oftentimes these are people that are known to the board the year before. They've been there before on other projects. They've asked similar um, uh, crazy questions. And, you know, uh, I, I can't uh, you know, help them get a graduate degree in physics to explain to them why they're, you know, uh, they're, they're misunderstanding how some of these basic laws of nature work. Um, so uh, you need to be respectful and you need to just move on and understand that, uh, you know, those, those crazy comments aren't going to really impact the board. Well, it will impact you if you are dismissive or rude yeah, or, uh, yeah. or, or outright laugh at them. Right, like I just did. And you have the patience of Job, sir. I, I appreciate what you do. And, you know, when we, when we were, saw, we saw a good bit of land around the southeast U.S. And when it needs rezoning, we want to know, hey, who, who are the talent? Who's the, who are the people involved that are going to do this zoning? Because it, that really matters. Because if, if I was there and someone said something, like I had somebody come up, I was putting one ha putting a second house on five acres and the neighbor popped up and said that my yet unborn child will get killed, die by in a car wreck if you build that one house on that five acres. And this child's not born yet, lady's not pregnant. And I'm like, I didn't know how to react to it. It's like, what, are you kidding me? And so, so where do you get that patience and how do you build a team around you that can, can handle that? We can't even count the number of times I've heard at a hearing how many children have to die before you people stop building these. Oh. And that's, you know, for a variety of uses. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, or, you know, the people who come in and say, you know, uh, um, my child was was killed in a, a car crash. Uh, and it's indicative of there being too much traffic. And you're going you're building something that's going to generate more. And when are you going to stop? When is enough enough? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. it's very difficult to, 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 to deal with that issue. Um, you know, you, you try to talk them through how you're going to do it responsibly and you look at what you can do to try to, to, uh, 
um, uh, mitigate the negative impacts. Yeah. Well, you know, it, and it, it, it's not in my backyard, the NIMBYism, right? I remember I had an attorney friend of mine and said he was going to fight zoning on a vacant block across the street from him. They were going to build some very nice condominiums. And uh, now, that, and before they built them, there were vagrants and crime going on. So I said, so you've got crime going over there. It's ugly. They're going to build something beautiful, and you're fighting it? And why? <laughs> He's like, oh, I don't know, really, because it's change. Well, because it, it's changed. I have had people oppose the redevelopment of a junkyard. And you know, we were shocked. Is it, I mean, are you happy that you live next to a junkyard? The trucks are going by. It's right ad adjacent to a residential area. And you know, we're going to put $10 million into this site and put in a, a, a retail facility uh, that was going to look like a college campus. And they said, we don't want the traffic. We can live with what we have now. We realize it's ugly and it smells, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, we don't want any change. Yeah. So, um, you, you, it, it's, uh, it's not rational. Yeah. And it's part of the problem with our, our process in the United States that it's largely opposition driven. Yeah. It's about who shows up. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if, if you can't generate support, demonstrate support for your project, the opponents will be in the room. They're going to organize. They'll make their voices heard. Right. Right. Good it point. Showing, uh, uh, for instance, in, in the grocery industry, that 70 percent of Americans say I'd support a new grocery store in my community. And my clients in the grocery industry laugh at that. That's not what we see at hearings. Right. It's because right. no one shows up on a Tuesday night to say I'd, I'd love a new grocery store. Right. But you show up to say I don't want one near me. Right. Until it opens and then you're really glad it's there. <laughs> That's right. Well, Patrick, thanks for joining us, sir. Great information. Thank you. Great talking to you. All right. And thank you for being with us for the uh, basically a show about land and development and, and design. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, let us know your comments. Please share the show and uh, please reach out to us. Uh, we love hearing from you. Until next week, be sure that you always lead, learn and laugh and join us for America's Commercial Real Estate Show. America's Commercial Real Estate Show is brought to you by Bull Realty. For customized asset and occupancy solutions, visit BullRealty.com. Commercial Agent Success Strategies, incredible training for commercial agents. Visit CommercialAgentSuccess.com. BOMI International. For facilities and property management education, visit BOMI.org. BuyProxy.com. Your global commercial real estate listing service. Visit BuyProxy.com. Red IQ turning multifamily data into actionable intelligence. Visit RedIQ.com.